Welcome into What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show, covering the NFL, college football, and the top stories in the sports world with producer Patton Cook, NFL All-Pro and former Tennessee Titan linebacker Keith Bullock, veteran sports anchor John Burton. Keith's back from Vegas, Super Bowl 58. We missed you last week. We had... Uh... Your old buddy Chris Sanders in filling in for you. He had some wonderful things to say about you, Keith. So, okay, <laughs> Ohio State legend. Yep, the Ohio State. However, they want to call it, man. I ain't got <laughs> Isn't that to the do height of arrogance for them to call themselves the Ohio State University? I, hey, if you got it like that, you got it like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you don't um, go around telling people I'm from the Syracuse University. I mean, I'd like you to because that, that's what I grew up rooting for. Yeah, we don't get down like that. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week in Vegas? Uh, it was great, man. Uh, had a really good time. Got there on Thursday. Did some uh, media obligations and some things like that. And then, like, uh, I was supposed to do some things on Friday. Go to some parties and all those different things. Um, but then I realized, man, there's, like, so there were so many people there. Like, NFL, like, royalty, NFL legends. Mm-hmm. Guys that just played. Guys that are current. There's, you know, like, if I don't show up to this event, I'm not going to be missed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, trust me, uh, the only person that's looking for me is the person that's either trying to get in with me or uh, put me on the list and wants, and wants to walk in with me and say that they're responsible for getting me there. And right. um, there was enough going on at, you know, the, the blackjack table or, you know, at a cigar bar or just meeting up with um, some guys that they may have played with and hadn't seen in a few years just – Sitting at a bar grabbing drinks, you yeah. know, it was just so yeah. much casual um, fun going on. And we did go to some events. You know, I have a bone to pick with the NFL PA. I got to figure out how to go about it because I'm going to make it public. You have an NFL Players Association party. Right. We, we get up to the thing and then some player you can't get like, oh, this is for current players. But it's like it's a Players Association party, right? And I asked the young lady, you work for the Players Association? She's like, yes. Like, okay, cool. I mean, granted, we got in. Like, it wasn't a thing, but, like, my thing is, like, all of these parties that used to be fun and cool and to go to Mm -hmm. are now, like, corporate and boring. And, (laughs) like, like Steve from accounting from the new era probably has more, you know, pull to get in parties than guys that really – our tenured, I was you know, say, six, seven years. Yeah, in the you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I'm going to address that. I don't know exactly how to go about yeah. it, but I'll, obviously I'll make it, I'll poke the bear a little bit, make it funny because it's not that serious. But it is a serious issue, and if it continues to happen, you know, they poke and prod and joke about this CTE. Some of this, some of these guys, might, <laughs> some of these guys might have a have a case at uh, one of these front doors. <laughs> now, from what I heard, though, I heard the current NFL players they were not allowed to be seen in any casinos by any kind of betting machines or anything like that. Like they could oh. be there. And they were not allowed to do any sports betting until after the clock hit zeros on the Super Bowl. Sports betting or, like, playing craps and stuff I, like that? I, I believe all of it. Yeah, well, that went out the window. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, look, I'm not saying no names. Right, I understand. <laughs> no names, please. But those crap tables was hot. Those high, those high limit, the high limit room. Mm-hmm. 
Bro, I was wondering how much this one player was spending. <laughs> I'm like, yo, he's been sitting at that table for because we're, you know, me and McNabb and some of the guys mm-hmm. um, sitting in there having having drinks at the high limit yeah. table and whatnot, like Rampage, you know, yeah. Jackson, you know, yeah. just like MMA was, fighter. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was just really cool crowds, man, right. just chilling, coming together. And, um, yo, this one NFL guy, like, well-known and he, I'm sure he has it, but he was like, and I walked, I, I think I walked past that table the next day and the limit was like 3000. Like that was the min, wow. that was the minimum, Okay, you know, at the high limits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, hell smell good or bad. They, <laughs> they got, they had action. Well, the thing about it is it's, it's, it's called gambling. It's not called winning. Right. Right. You know, it's funny. It's to see a Super Bowl guys being played in Vegas. I remember growing up and watching the NFL Today on CBS, and they had Jimmy the Greek on every week. And everything was done with a wink and a nod, like the former commissioner, Pete Rozelle. Like, you know, he basically said, look, have him on. He'll give us tips. We won't necessarily mention the fact that he's giving gambling tips, but he'll say stuff like, okay, I like, I like the Redskins to win this game, but by no more than four points. And everything was kind of done with a wink and a nod, and now – you know, the NFL's in bed with all these gambling sites, and they have a Super Bowl in Las Vegas. I never thought I'd see that. So I have friends that work in the um, different industries in um, Vegas, like usually the hospitality, like um, hostess yeah. or hosts and casinos and whatnot. Right. And um, this was the biggest weekend ever Um in Las Vegas, I think there was over there was billions of dollars. Um, I think it was like two point three billion. I think yeah, I just say. in gambling alone, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. just in like gambling alone. Um, we were coming down the escalator. I stayed at the Aria. I was coming down the escalator. Um, maybe Friday morning or whatever. Me and whoever I was with, and this lady was like on her way out. She's like, oh my god, something. I'm like, yeah, she's I'm. You're getting out of here before all the craziness. She's like, the craziness has started. They just tried to charge me forty dollars for a cheeseburger. <laughs> she was like, she was like, they say it's only because it's Super Bowl weekend. It's like, wow, it's got to be a hell of good cheeseburger, man. Bro. I'm telling you, yeah, I need some bacon and some cheddar cheese and some lettuce tomato on that. So yeah, the prices were definitely up. But what I'm surprised, um, they didn't really jack the the tables up that much Mm because you know sometimes on weekends well you know on big weekends um in vegas especially fight weekends um you know because there's more money in town right you know a table that might normally be five or ten bucks is now 25 and a table that's normally 25 might start at you know a hundred dollar minimums that is and you can go as high as you want of course but (laughs) you know I'm, i'm trying to get in at Five or five dollars, and let me go up to twenty five if I want to. Right, you know what right. I mean? They make you start at twenty five, and then next thing you know, you're betting hundred dollar hands. It's, like, <laughs> it's crazy. How the hell did I get here? Right. right. What'd you think of the game? Um, let's see. The game. Wait, hold on. Wait, we, we, we didn't get to Patton's weekend before we get to the oh, game. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're Patton, right, you're right. You know, what's, what were your uh, well, festivities like? Yes, I had my uh, blackjack table set out at my <laughs> uh, homestead uh, that my fiance and the dog were the dealers. No, it was pretty low-key for me. Just kind of sat and watched. Kind of as I got older, back in high school and middle school, you go out with buddies. You, uh, right. About 15 of us would all settle in at one house. But now, yeah, there used to be Super Bowl parties. Exactly. Now I just like kind of being with myself because, I don't know, as I've gotten into the business, I don't my, my love of, for sports hasn't 
gone away, but I love just kind of sitting, watching, no one really bothering me yeah. while I get to just watch the game. For me, that's what I love Because doing. sometimes you go to these parties, right, and you have two groups of people, people like us that want to actually sit and watch the game and see how it develops. And you have the people that don't really watch a lot of exactly. football. They want to watch the commercials. Oh, my God. They want to socialize. They want to eat. Those are the people that drive me nuts. So, <laughs> you know, I always want to have both areas, like, separated, right? Hardcore football fans here, people that are just right. – Yo, here to say, hey, I watched the Super Bowl. You go somewhere else. Yeah, I think next year I'll have a Super Bowl party. And the way that um, our house is, I'm able to do that. Yeah. Like right. my wife and my wife, she doesn't really ask too many questions. <laughs> like she Is she a football fan, sports fan? No, she only watched it really when I play. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what she'll say. Oh, I only watched it. All right, we get it. <laughs> um, but, you know, we had someone over. That on on Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, um, that I didn't know their football knowledge. Oh, I don't really watch, you know, and it was a guy, and that's fine, whatever. Yeah, all good. Yo, he asked a question about everything to the point I'm like, yo, you're the worst than my, you're worse than Heather. That's my wife. <laughs> like, he's like, yo, I never watched football. I'm like, no, I understand. Yeah. That's all right, but the Super Bowl isn't the time to learn, right? right. You know, like what's going on? What? And like, I wasn't trying to be offensive. I don't know if I offended him or not. That's my personality. Right. Like, shit, you're at my house. It's <laughs> like, like, I think like somebody you could leave. Somebody caught a, a made a first down. Like, it was a big first. Down or a touchdown, it's like, oh, is the game over? Like, like, <laughs> and then he asked like two more questions similar to that. And on the third one, I'm like, man, you're worse than Heather. Like, you know, but I think um, I might have to take it back old school, Pat, and then do like the Super Bowl yeah. party again next year because, mm-hmm. like, I like to go to the event like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, leave on Sunday. Right. That's smart. And where that started um, was my rookie year, 2000, the year we lost to the Ravens. And mm-hmm. you were speaking, you went to the Ravens-Giants Super Bowl. Right. As a player, I would always go to the site Wednesday through Sunday because to get your tickets, because every player gets two tickets. Mm-hmm. So I would get them and sell them. But in order to get your tickets, you have to physically go and get the tickets. Gotcha. So, you know. I don't think I knew that, Keith. Yeah, every player gets two tickets, but you have to physically go and gotcha. pick mm. up your ticket. So I'll go get my tickets. My brother was, <laughs> my brothers would scalp them, <laughs> and then and then we go to Vegas. We go to Vegas on Sunday, okay? Um, because they have great watch parties. Mm-hmm. Like yep. these casinos throw great great watch parties, mm-hmm. and being um, it the first year in Vegas, it just kind of threw a a monkey wrench in my going to Vegas on Sunday to watch the game. So. That's why I was home on Sunday watching the game instead of Vegas. But that's what kind of made me want to stay because I know how great the watch parties are. Yeah. And for it being the first time, I'm sure, like, the watch parties would have been even better. But um, it was a good time overall. Got in, got out. Yeah. Was, had my feet up by a kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> no hangovers. Nice. What so you think of the cool. game? Um, the game was good, man. It was a really good game. Um, I think that San Francisco left some opportunities on, on the field. Like, look, you knew that San Francisco had the better team, but it's one of those things, Kansas City is Kansas City, and Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes, and if you keep it close enough and give them a shot, yeah, they're more than likely going to pull it out, and that's kind of how it went. I feel like Brock Purdy had missed some a, a couple of big throws. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I feel that coming out in the second half, how you don't get uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, I think it was three series in a row if I paid attention where he didn't even touch the ball coming out of halftime. Um, and with that, and you have the lead, you know, get the clock going. Let's go. You know, um, get your best player going. And I would like to, like to have seen more Christian McCaffrey in space, you know, take advantage of uh, matchups. You hear me say that a lot. Yep. I feel like offensive coordinators don't know how big that is if you have a guy I call Christian McCaffrey Weapon X because we see how great he is running between the tackles. All right, line him up at wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Get another running back in and just put him at the X or the slot at wide receiver position and make the defense adjust to that. Like, it's all strategies. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, even like here, I said it with Tajay Sharp. All right, put Derrick Henry in. Put Tajay at the X or the Z. Let them adjust. You know, if mm-hmm. they're going to waste a corner on a running back, that's fine. Now you know you could run the ball to that side with Derrick. You know, so, like, look, I'm going off tangent. But um, I just think that for the weapons that San Francisco had, they didn't do enough offensively within their game plan to win. And I'm not going to say Shanahan got out coached or anything like that. That's right. just what it came down to and my final point um i don't think that the whole overtime thing it doesn't matter you took if you like mm-hmm. if you know the rule or not you know ask you about that right you know. you know if you if you score a touchdown it's over or they get the match you know that you know what i'm saying so you got you took the ball you got three if they score a touchdown you know it's over i mean that's mm-hmm. regular season or playoffs the only thing different is that look there's you're going to keep going until there's a winner. Right. So, Patton, uh, you know, we talked about it. You know, the 49ers, as Keith said, had the better team. But Mahomes is almost inevitable right now, yep. almost like Brady was during his time with the Patriots when they were, you know, running the league. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, the 49ers were in trouble when uh, I knew it. My fiance knew it. The dog knew it. As soon as Mahomes <laughs> was marching in overtime, you just knew he was yeah. going to get in the end zone. And that's. That's credit to him. That's credit to Andy Reid. And really, that's credit to mostly Mahomes because for the majority of it, it was a, a Tyreek Hill pass that, of course, isn't there anymore. This is two Super Bowl wins in a row for him without Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to what Keith said. I, I thought Tony Romo, I, I know he gets a lot of bad rap. I thought he made a great point. The 49ers kept going at McDuffie and Ladarius Sneed when it was clear. Jawan Jennings on the Chiefs' third cornerback was was the game plan all day long. And every time he caught a pass, at one, he wasn't getting tackled by the first defender, and two, he was either scoring a touchdown or passing for one. I I, I just didn't think the game plan was good enough. But on the Chiefs, exceptional. I, I know uh, some people are getting fatigued by him. To me, I, I think they've done it the right way. I mean, you look, everybody on the roster, they're not moneyballing anybody. They're not trading for the, the big superstar they're drafting exceptionally well year mm-hmm. in, year out. And right now they've got the best quarterback at a pretty good age still. And as long as Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey keep tagging along, I don't think this train is stopping anytime. One of the things I loved about it, guys, was right after the game, like Kelsey, Reid, everybody to a man said, hey, this is, this is great. We want you all to know we're going for three in a row next year. It's never been done before. Why not shoot your shot and why not be public about it? It's never been done before. Yeah, and 
I know we're coming up on a break soon. Mm-hmm. I like to uh, keep this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, with, we got but, time. To what you're saying, it's never been done, and that's the focus coming in. Like, everybody wants to play for a champion. And to what Patton said is, look, they're just kind of, look, you got um, Mahomes locked in. He doesn't have the big play guy that he had with Tyreek Hill. He's been methodical, even when things are going bad, even when, you know, it's obviously the wrong play is made by his teammate. He's sticking up for his teammate. So, like, it's hard not, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to, Every great athlete turns into the villain at right. some point. Right. You know what right. I mean? And right. I think Patrick Mahomes is about to have his turn um, along this three-peat run. And, you know, we could pick this up uh, on the second turn. Yeah. Yeah, we want to talk more about that, uh, you know, where the Chiefs go from here and get to some other issues. Also with the Titans' new coaching staff as well. Stick around. We're just getting started on the podcast show. <laughs> You're listening to What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show, live on WNSR, Nashville's first 24-hour sports team. So, guys, the Chiefs are officially a dynasty, right? Three Super Bowl wins in the past four years, I believe, including two in a row. You got to win two in a row to get to that uh, dynasty uh, status. They're going to go for three in a row next year. And we were talking before the break. Uh, Just just how well they've been structuring things to get to this point where they are right now. Well, I was going to ask. I'm sorry. Like three, you got so if you won three in five years, Mm -hmm. could you still be a dynasty? You got to win two in a row during that during that during that (laughs) period. You have to win two in a row. That's fair. You know what I mean? (laughs) It can't be boom boom boom. boom. Right. Okay. That's because I'll give you a perfect example. The San Francisco Giants baseball team they won three World Series in five years, but they never did it back to back. So they're not considered a dynasty. What the Yankees did when they won four World Series in five years. You know, they won three in a row, so right. that's definitely a dynasty. Does 1,000%. Yeah. 1,000%. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they're definitely a dynasty, and it's so crazy how fast they replaced the dynasty of the 2000s and 2010s, which was the New England Patriots. Right. Um, and who has been, like, so in the New England Patriots, they had to ward off Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Um, what, who else was there? There's some good, uh, really good Steelers teams. Yeah. Um, ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees was good. You know, but yep. they weren't. You know, Philip Rivers. He always beat them. But uh, yeah. Philip Rivers. Yep. And the Chargers. And, they get, you know, they get, they actually gave him a tough game in that AFC Championship game. And Philip Rivers was playing with one leg, basically. Right, yeah. His ACL was, you know, spaghetti. And he still played anyway. And nobody really talks about that, by the way, the toughness he displayed. But you know what? I, nobody, I, look, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I'm on the end of a lot of those games that nobody really <laughs> talks about. Like, it only, like, an NFL yeah. is one of those places where, like, yo, you got to win. You got to win or you got to play really good football for 15 years. Yep. <laughs> you know no, what I'm saying? I understand. I mean, I think Phil Rivers has had a Hall of Fame career. I know we're going down a rabbit hole here, but, you know, never won. Yeah. He only got to one championship game, conference championship game. Didn't win it, you know? It's uh, you're right. I mean, you would know better than anybody having played in this league for a decade. I mean, you got to win. Right. But that takes me somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do notice about these teams that we named, we named the Pittsburgh with Ross, Roethlisberger, the Colts, uh, the Chargers. Obviously, I mean, obviously the Giants beat them twice with Eli Manning. That's a great one, too. But all those teams have in common 
a solid quarterback. Yep. I don't care. You know, obviously Cam started the conversation, game changer, game play, um, a playmaker, whatever it is. Look, as long as they can go out there, not turn the ball over, know what to do in crunch time. Mm-hmm. We know how, how athletic Pat Mahomes is, but I think what makes him um, a step better now is everything from the shoulders up. Yep. He's going out there and executing. He knows, look, I just don't need to turn the ball over. In this situation, I don't need to turn the ball over. All right, going into the third quarter or second quarter, whenever it was he threw that interception, mm-hmm. I think it was the third quarter. Yeah, yeah now, okay, third quarter. Okay, it's time to start working Kelsey the ball. Let's get mm-hmm. him the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, my group chat was like, oh, they're starting to press. They're t- he's not starting to press. He's just trying to get his playmaker the ball and just it got it got away from him. Right. You know, like he's been making if he makes that throw, that's the throw he always makes because Kelsey was open. He just overthrew him mm-hmm. like he's going to come back and make that play again. But he's not going to try and make that play in like going in overtime or anything that in overtime. He's probably going to tuck it and take the three or four yards. Yep. Um, whereas you see in other quarterbacks. You know, Lamar throwing the triple coverage. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So I think to what you were saying earlier, Patton, about, you know, no Tyreek he's shown and it's been all on him. I think that's where those um, teams go from. I mean, those quarterbacks go from, you know, the shoulders up. Because even with Brady early in his career, he won with great defense and Mm -hmm. some playmakers. And then it wasn't until, like we said, 07, until he got Randy Moss. And then even after that, he just kind of knew what to do, where to go with the ball. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is showing that a lot early in his career. And the Chiefs really have a – I think they got a pretty big decision to make this offseason. Chris Jones, he he drunkenly is saying on the at the parade <laughs> yesterday or on uh, Wednesday uh, that he's coming back and his agent is tweeting uh, to – Tell the bartender to cut the service <laughs> off. Losing leverage, <laughs> leverage with every word coming out, but – do they choose to kind of keep the band together or do they try and make it a little more explosive? Because as great as Mahomes is, and he did a great job getting them through this year, I just have a hard time believing they're going to be able to sustain that kind of piecing together drives. They're going to have to find someone and maybe Rasheed Rice can maybe uh, elevate his role next year. But mm-hmm. to me, I, I wonder if they bring back Chris Jones because he's going to command a high dollar because John, you, you spoke about it a couple times this week. His really rushing Brock Purdy, it saved them in yeah, overtime because really yeah. Jawan Jennings was wide open in the end zone, and if it wasn't for a Chris Jones pressure, that's a six and possibly a Super Bowl win if if uh, the 49ers get the stop. So I, I'm interested to see. They've got some other defensive free agents to come with, but to me, I think offense is the way to go, but uh, how their defense played was also a big reason why they won the Super Bowl. Well, and Steve Spagnuolo... You know, he's going to go down as one of the greatest defensive coordinators of all time. I think he ranks up there with Bill Belichick, with Buddy Ryan. You know, this is his fourth Super Bowl championship as a D.C., one with the Giants, three with Kansas City. I mean, you know, he's had a a Hall of Fame career if you can put an assistant coach in the Hall of Fame, you know? I think, um, you know, and and that's the thing, right? It all comes down to you have to game plan for one game, right? Yep. You have to be able to game plan – for one game as a defensive coordinator. Because I remember, you know, I think it's the year the Colts maybe even won the Super Bowl. They're, they were ranked number 31 in mm-hmm. total defense. And then they get into the playoffs, and they're stoning teams. Yep. They they were stoning teams. Um, 
And that just came down to, you know, being prepared, knowing what to do. Like, even on that play, um, obviously we saw the defensive coordinator from the 49ers lose his job after, after yeah, you know, Wolf. yesterday, which yeah. is unfortunate. But, um, you know, I keep, just keep thinking about that touchdown play. Like, they should have. Ah, I don't know what the call was, but I just yeah. know that um, it was a great offensive play because they lost the motion man in in the shuffle. Yep. Whereas I just feel like it should have been some type of banjo coverage that keeps somebody sitting on the out, you know, but, uh, you know, it's hindsight. Yeah, definitely. Uh, switching gears, guys, talking about the Titans. Uh, Brian Callahan, new head coach, introduced um, some of his staff uh, this week. New defensive coordinator, Denard Wilson, new offensive coordinator, Nick Holtz, uh, they met with the media this week, and it was uh, for me. It was really refreshing because it felt like, you know, the atmosphere was a lot more conversational as opposed to the previous regime, where it was like, "Well, I'm up here, you're out there." But that's just that's just me being petty. That's how Vrabel used media- to do, y'all. Yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, obviously, Keith, you only played for two head coaches in your career, Jeff Fisher and Tom Coughlin, for the one year. But I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen assistants come in and come out. What's going to be the biggest adjustment for the players that will be back this year from last year getting adjusted to the new coaching staff? Because it's all new, and they're all young guys by and large. I think for me is just buying into what the new coaches are asking them to do. You know, um, for the for the guys to believe that what these coaches are asking us to do maybe a change in technique or a change in philosophy or something that's been working for you uh, for two or three years as a professional. You got to be open-minded, don't you? Yeah. In in many respects. And coaches have to be open-minded too because at the end of the day, um, they're working with the top athletes in this sport of the world. Like So Coach Mack was good at that. Um, older coaches are good at that, but younger coaches, I'm sure, are learning. You can't coach, you can't coach me, Keith Bullock, the same way as Peter Sermon or mm-hmm. David Thornton or you know Frank or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Just like so, you can't coach every player the same way because every player has different attributes. Like you could tell Stephen Tully, Tully, go in here, fill this gap, boom, and like he's gonna do that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it a different way. It's yeah. going to be just as effective, right. but, like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, Tully's going to – he's more of a smacker. He's going to go in there and smack you. Like, I'm going to try and figure out how to just get it done without getting smacked. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that's the first thing. And then once that happens, you know, um, the leaders um, within the locker room will lead. But there's a lot of conversations going on now. Um you know, guys, it's the off season coming in to, hey, what's up, coach? How you doing? Right. And not even having the first um, team meeting yet. So, Keith, I got a question. At, when you did have new kind of assistants come in, how long did you give them until you kind of made your mind up whether they were it? Be for real or yeah. be for Roni, right? <laughs> um, or did you really have that instance where you just never really felt it? Oh, yeah, I definitely felt it. <laughs> I went from a, a top 10 defense, top 5 defense, maybe in, what, 08? To, like, a 0-6 <laughs> start. So, yeah, I definitely felt it. Um, 
It's like, do you give it till training camp or is like OTAs? You're thinking, whoa, it's not looking good. Well, you know what? It's tough. I'm going to tell you what's tough. It's tough when you are running a system that works Mm -hmm. and then a coach wants to come in and implement a new system and it doesn't work. Like, that's really tough because as players, if you've been playing, you know what's going to work and you know what's not going to work. And in these meetings, and well, in the defenses I played on, um, you were allowed to ask questions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, coach, what if, okay, you want us to do this, but what if this guy does this and this guy does this? And then if a coach is like, they're not going to do that, like, what do you, like, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know? Well, uh, coach, if they do do that, what do you want us to do? Yeah. Well, I just, I don't think they're going to do that, but we could do something like this. That's too much gray area. So then as okay. a player, like, you walking out to me, man, he don't know what he's no. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, like, yeah. you got to be precise. You got to be, like. Right. You got to have want a plan you, A, plan yeah, B, yes. plan C. If the outside goes in, call him into your inside um, defender. Inside defender, let you look outside. You take him. Now you move to the next closest guy. If that ins- the next guy that breaks out, that's your man. That's how you answer that question. Right. That's, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and if you don't know from there, look, all right, I'll I'll explain it to you. Matter of fact, you get up on the board and you draw it. So I know that you under you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah. that's all. Just it seems like it, it's accountability. Patent from the fans perspective. Accountability and attention to detail. Yeah. yeah. From a fan's perspective, how impressed were you with what uh, Holtz and Denard uh, Wilson had to say? Holtz seemed pr- pretty laid back to me. Kind of the, I think it's been pretty similar in terms of offensive coordinator. It's been a pretty laid back group. He don't really, got to do nothing. No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> he knows he's in for it. He doesn't have to call plays. But, Said the former linebacker exactly. But to me, uh, Denard Wilson, I I absolutely loved what I heard from him yesterday. Uh, a guy Jeff Fisher hired in L.A. Um, with uh, Greg Williams and his philosophy yesterday got me a little bit fired up, basically saying play fast, play violent, and mm-hmm. create turnovers. And to me, that's kind of been my main issue with uh, with the Titans defense the past couple of years. It's been a it. I, I get it to some level was you don't want to cr- uh, have the X plays against you, which quite frankly they gave a lot of them up. So yeah. in the secondary, a lot of cushion. You weren't really seeing many interceptions other than Kevin Byard kind of ball hawking ability but his old philosophy is we're going to be aggressive we're going to play to the football and we're going to be violent and i to me i, I loved what i heard yesterday a guy who's kind of come all the way from the bottom here he is and had options guys he didn't have to come to the titans he had right. a couple other options defensive coordinator wise so it's always good when you beat out other nfl teams because it makes you feel like well, uh, what we got over here is uh, better than others. And I, I think with Jeffrey Simmons, they've got some pieces here. It's still got some some work to do on the defense. But all in all, really enjoyed listening. And I thought they were very open, quite frankly, on kind of what they want moving yeah, forward, which is I, a, a, I appreciated a nice that. breath of fresh air. You know, speaking as a meathead media guy, I appreciated <laughs> that. It just, it just makes your life a lot easier. But, Keith, relatively speaking, this is a young coaching group, right? A lot of guys in their early 40s, late 30s. Obviously, Bill Callahan, Brian's dad, is going to be the the old head, right, the offensive line coach, and that's a great coup getting them. They're going to be growing pains with this coaching staff, right? I mean, fans need to kind of need to prepare for that, at least in the early going, right? Yeah, there's there's growing pains for every coaching staff. Um, But, you know, this coaching staff, obviously, 
you know, Brian put it together the way he did because, well, he and Rand, because he mm. felt confident that this group can work well together. You yeah. know, if everybody is on, <clears throat> you know, the same page and, you know, they'll I'm sure they'll get on the same page. Their first task is the draft. So they're going to be looking for players to build their team. And they, you know, starts with the head coach. What type of player um, do we want to build off of for the Tennessee Titans and you know you go from what you got all right you go Will Levis on offense Jeffrey Simmons on defense and then you go from there and I think um you start to you know put together your your team yeah and obviously now comes the pre-draft process you know uh NFL combine is coming up very soon and then they'll be able to bring players in for interviews and evaluations and things like that it's an exciting time especially for fan bases like the Titans because they know that, you know, the slate's being kind of wiped clean. And we talked about it, a lot of pressure on Rand Carthon because he's in charge of all of this now. He is the undisputed czar. I mean, he's got people in and around him, and he'll have support from Amy Adams Strunk. But like like we've been saying all along, this is his show, you know, and he's got to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, look, it's like anybody that – you know, wants to play in the league. It sounds the same way for Will Levis, right? Right. It's his show. So Rand got his guy. They went and they got moved up last year to get Will Levis um, a few picks earlier in the second round. Will Levis became the starter. Will Levis showed some signs that he can play. He definitely showed he can play in this league. So now to what you said, Rand has, you know, put assembled, you know, the – the fleet or assemble the staff that's going to be in charge of the new enterprise. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the starship. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're the commanders. <laughs> All right, guys, we come back plenty of petty news to get into. Uh, we'll mix in some NBA as well. We'll talk, we'll talk a little Travis Kelsey, of course, and much more stick around coming right back. Welcome back to What's Good with KB and JB Podcast Show, exclusively on WNSR, Nashville's first 24-hour sports station. Well, we'll get into some petty news here in just a bit. A lot of pettiness coming out of Super Bowl 58, as well as the NBA. But first, like we always do at this time, we let our producer, our co-host, let it out. Get what's on his mind off his mind. It is time to let Patton cook. For me this week will be uh, NBA related, Cavaliers related. Uh, nothing really to uh, to hate about because my team is uh, eighteen team, and two. Yeah, no, right yeah. they're playing really well. Uh, the second tied for the second best record heading into the All Star break in the last twenty games, eighteen and two overall. Now John will say the teams have been uh, lesser, and yes, they have been. But I will say this: uh, if this continues, a a scenario I for, did not really foresee coming, quite frankly. Donovan Mitchell, I am starting to feel a little more confident in Mr. Mitchell coming back to Cleveland. One being John's team has made a, a pretty big move with OG and Anobi. I just don't see that fitting with Donovan Mitchell able to go there. Jalen Brunson clearly is the alpha over there, as he should be. So, I think options are starting to decline. There's still some other options out there. L.A., you wonder what they'll do. Uh, 
they well something we'll talk about with LeBron James staying put at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I just got a good feeling uh, about what what the Cavs are doing. They're starting to play well. Darius Garland had a big uh, game on Wednesday night on Valentine's. Hit a big shot over the Chicago Bulls uh, heading into the All Star break. I just got a good feeling. Evan Mobley would like to see a little bit more from him. But uh, I can't have everything right now. And quite <laughs> frankly, the Cavs, the way they started the season, I had about had them dead and buried, but they have came back roaring in the uh, second half of the first half of the NBA season. I'm very happy. You should be. It looks like they're going to be no worse than the three seed in the uh, Eastern Conference. And my Knicks are banged up. We got a lot of injuries we got to overcome. But how about this, guys? I mean... When Woj and Ramona Shelburne came out with the story this week that the Warriors actually made the call to the Lakers about possibly trading for LeBron James. So we almost had LeBron James and Steph Curry teaming up in Golden State after these teams met four years in a row in the finals when LeBron was still in Cleveland. And a lot of people, I'm a big LeBron fan. To me, that would be like Larry Bird teaming up with Magic Johnson. Yeah, I mean... I don't. How do I feel? And let me just add one thing. Just the fact that when Jeannie Buss took the call, you know, the owner of the Lakers, the daughter of the late great Dr. Jerry Buss, she didn't, you know, her old man's got to be rolling over in his grave because she said, well, I don't know. Let me ask LeBron's agent. Dr. Buss would have been like, absolutely not. He would have hung the phone up, man. Well, if it was Kobe, she she wouldn't have entertained it. <laughs> That's a fact. You know You're not I mean? wrong. Um, but it's a business, and she's a businesswoman. She's like, let me see what I can get for LeBron James. And I honestly think that <clears throat> they probably would have said <laughs> Draymond, Clay, <laughs> Gary Payton II, um, Kaminga, and, like, a second-round draft pick. Like, you know, <laughs> they would have got him with the banana in the tailpipe. And then Steph and LeBron still would be playing over 30-plus minutes <laughs> and still be in eighth place. So, yeah, I don't think that was uh, – But, I mean, rivals get, like, joining forces? It doesn't matter. Like, like it started way back when, you know, with these super teams. Right. So, like, I don't, right. I don't, really, I don't really think it, it, it matters. Yeah. What about uh, – <laughs> well, I want to get your thoughts on Kelsey, his blow-up on the sidelines at the Super Bowl with Andy Reid. A lot was made of that. A lot of people chimed in saying because Kelsey is who he is and because he's what he is that he didn't get as much heat as maybe, say, another player would have. Like A.J. Brown supposedly like tweeted, said, they'd have kicked me out of the league if I'd have done that. Right. I think it's personal – it comes down to the media's personal choice on how they choose to scrutinize it. Exactly. I, I think that, um, you know, Travis Kelsey was in the heat of the moment. I don't think he meant to bump Andy Reid the way that he did. I know he meant to, like, kind of, you know, yell or be demonstrative <laughs> the way he was, but I don't think he it was with the intent of, like, let me bump the coach. And then, nah, I don't think I didn't see it as that. Someone that's been in that situation and seen yeah. those moments, you know, he just needs to chill out a little bit. You know what I mean? It was a little over the top, but it's the Super Bowl. Right. He wants to be involved. He's the star player, just like an A.J. Brown would do, just like we've seen a Tom Brady blow up. Maybe Terrell not Owens. Say, yeah, but, you know, different situations for different players. You know, uh, Tom Brady being the quarterback – He's going to yell at the linemen. 
he's going to yell at the, you know what I mean? We've seen Troy Aikman. We, we've seen all the great players do it. Right. Um, but what I, would they be saying if, like, Lamar Jackson blew up at his offensive lineman? I don't know what they'd be saying. You would know better than me. You're in the media. But <laughs> with that being said, I feel it would be something along the he'd, lines of they would, question, more scrutiny. they would question his character. Right. You know, they would question his being, him being able to be coached. They would question his you leadership. Know, even Jim Har- uh, John Harbaugh, mm-hmm. they would even question uh, the head coach, John Harbaugh. So um, a lot of different it's, – it's the media, man. You know, it's just the, the stories they know that get clicks and are more interesting. That's not interesting because they know mm-hmm. that, just like I explained it, it wasn't that big of a deal. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but – you know, it's bigger deal if it's Lamar Jackson. It's more to talk about. Oh, he's this. He's that. Right. He's this. He's black. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever blown up at a coach on the sidelines of during course. the game? Of course. Yeah? Of course. College pro or both? Um, More so pro. Okay. Because in college, you're kind of, um, you know, you're, you're being instructed more so in college. Right. When you become a pro and at a certain level, you're a professional. Like, you know how to do your job. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. So if things like an easy example is coaches are human, too. They're invested. They put a week into their game plan. They know the plays they want to call. Mm-hmm. They know. So a coach can be very stubborn at times as well. Like, he against this look, I want to call this play. Mm-hmm. So I've been in a situation against this look. This, call, this coach calls this play two times in a row. It doesn't work. <laughs> it comes to the third time. So on the field, it's like, yo, stop calling that dumb. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then you come to the sidelines because we got bombed three times. And it's like, yo, just stop calling the, that that play. <laughs> right. Or, you know, I come to the sidelines and Schwartzy thinks, like, Lance Schultz was famous for changing the calls. Like, <laughs> Really? Like, yeah, just for what I'm saying because Schwartz yeah. might like this call versus this look. Mm-hmm. Third down. Here's the scenario. It's third and 15. Swartz wants to call an all-out blitz. (laughs) 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 Just because, you know, look, it just happens, you know. And and Lance being like a safety, like, yo, knowing that he's going to be the single safe or meaning the single post safety. Right, single high safety, right. Yeah, or zero coverage. He's like, no. (laughs) Check cover two. We'll let him get eight to ten yards. We'll tackle Rally him when we get off, the get off the field. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. me being the one that calls the plays, I come, don't be changing my effing calls. <laughs> I'm not changing your call. You know, so you have that. But Were you given more leeway given your status as a player and your and your status with the team? If you did blow up at a coach, they'd be like, all right, well, Keith's a little upset right now. We're just going to let him cool off and he'll be fine. I think if I'm upset, I'm upset for a reason. Right. You okay. know, okay. me. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Me personally, because, yeah, I, I have to be in control because I'm the leader of the defense. Like, I'm right. calling the plays. Like, if things go wrong, I got to calm other people down. So if I'm going, you know, crazy, like, you know, that's it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work that way. Yeah. Patton, what do you think of uh, what Kelsey did? I mean, there's been so much said and not said about it, if if that makes any sense. Um, it, it was pretty as expected. As soon as it happened, I knew it was going to explode. Mm-hmm. But you've, <laughs> and you've heard it. I, I kind of went back and watched 
uh, Travis Kelsey's podcast and him and his brother talking mm-hmm. about it. And I thought Jason made a good point. He goes, Travis would have never done that if he didn't love Andy Reid, vice right. versa. If right. those two didn't have that connection, you're not going right. up there and right. almost knocking the old guy over. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, and, but Jason also said he shouldn't have done that. And Travis said that as well. He said, I, I shouldn't have reacted yeah. that way. But so what was the reaction about? About not getting the ball. Right. And he yeah. was specifically not out on the field in the red zone when, when the fumble was made. So, and you understand that. And for me as a fan, I want a, I want my player to be pissed off that he's not out on the field. And we just fumbled because I'm not out on the field, even though it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> right. the day. But you want to see that. You're, you're 45 minutes game time away from losing slash winning a Super Bowl. I, I was okay. Not that I was okay with it, but I understand. I, yeah. I, I'm I'm an emotional. Heated a moment thing. Exactly. I'm emotional in my daily life things where I get stressed out, much less playing in front of 50 trillion people <laughs> in, on, on TV. So it was it, it was as expected. I'm okay with it. it. It is what it is. It's guys, alpha males playing a violent sport, wanting to win. So be it. Where do you guys think um, San Francisco, what direction do they go in? Like, what do you think? Um, great question. You know, it's, it's, it's very sobering for them. You know, yeah. last year they didn't get the shot that they wanted because they had to play with their fourth-string quarterback in mm-hmm. the NFC Championship game, and they had to watch the Eagles go in and uh, lay an egg, so to speak. You know what I mean? Um do, le- do Eagles lay eggs, or do they just give life uh, back? We're going to have to research that. <laughs> but look, let me stay on track. Um, but then to go in there and, like, look, they played a hell of a game. Yep. But you can't – you can't. the team that makes the most mistakes in playoff football is typically going to come out on the short end of the stick. And, unfortunately, right. you know, that's, that's what they did. So what type of offseason do you guys think that they're going to have, and what do you think they need – to do in order to get back. I'll just start off by saying um, I don't think CMC is going to be able to make it through the season next year um, because he had a great year this year. Mm -hmm. He's usually very fragile, meaning Mm -hmm. like he's not, you know what I'm saying? So I don't think I I, knock on wood. I hope he does has the same, you know, luck with his body next year um, because it's a long season. Yeah. And he he plays a lot of football. He led the league in rushing. And he would have missed the playoff game if they didn't have the first-round bye. Yeah, and we we saw the things that he's capable of doing. I just know the way that they use him. Um, I say they need to start looking for that replacement now. Yeah, I I think uh, Purdy did enough to solidify that he can be the guy if you build around him, but – Guys, we always know for the team that loses the Super Bowl, it's a lot tougher road than it is for the team that wins because you can kind of ride that momentum, right? Now, obviously, the Titans, when they lost the Super Bowl, they came back. They were great next year, ran into a historic team in the Baltimore Ravens and, and you know lost that divisional playoff game. So, I don't know, man. I think there are a lot of questions about Shanahan because now he's, you know, he's blown, what, four leads or whatever in Super Bowls. <laughs> what do you think that is? Like, what, what like, because... Like, I would say for this Super Bowl, for me, coming out in the second half and not getting Christian McCaffrey involved, like, until the fourth yeah. series, um, like, what do you forget? Your best player? Yeah. And then you see Brandon Ayuk saying, um, do what got you there. So, right. obviously, something changed within the offensive game plan, and they fired the defensive coordinator. That's a scapegoat move. Right. Because, you know, the defense coordinator ain't do nothing wrong but put you in a position to actually win. Well, when you think about it, I mean, you know, 
That's 40. my that's my petty news. You fired the defensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco uh, 49ers firing the defensive that, coordinator. That is a scapegoat. After here. having a top 10 defense. Right. Well, when you think about it, you know, the 49ers had the ball in plus territory. And it was, remember that third and four where Spags called that blitz? I think it was like a. And they got the ball out yeah, quick. Got the ball out quick. Quick. And so they get the first down there. They can bleed the clock all the way down, kick a field goal. They're out of there with the win. Yep. Now they kicked the field goal and took the lead, but that allowed Patrick Mahomes enough time to go down. Darn near won it in regulation. Easily got the tying field goal and forced overtime, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you're right. That is a petty scapegoat move because, you know, if they're able to execute on that third down play and then there was the third down play uh, on their uh, possession in overtime as well, where they had guys wide open, but they forgot to block Chris Jones. We could be having a different conversation right now, and Steve Wilkes could still have his job. I would say the only mistake, I, like there was a mis- uh, 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 Fred Turner, who's the Fred Warner, mm-hmm. um, when Kelsey caught that um, 22 yard pass. Yep. Um, that was an individual mistake yeah. that had nothing to do with the defense because all Fred Warner has to do is keep inside leverage. Right. Like he fell for the shake off the line. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas he'd been covering them great all game. It's just that one play with that separation at that time was crucial. A 22-yard gain um, in overtime and just kind of gets them down in that red-green zone. And to your question – uh, Keith, about where they go. I mean, how much better can this team get? Right. I mean, for all year long, everybody looked at it and said, this is the best roster in the NFL mm-hmm. by some margin. So I I think you look at... So where does Shanahan go? That might I be a know. better I question. Mean, what yeah. is his adjustment? What look, does he have to do? I, I look at the roster. There's no weaknesses. So right. it, it has to be the head coach. And you can't blame this on Purdy. No, not he at all. He missed a couple throws, but I thought by and large he played pretty well. I, I think they've got the edge on the rest of the NFC. Yeah. <laughs> the dinosaur, the, the scary monster, of course, is going to be the Chiefs all the time in the AFC. So I, I'm not sure where they go. I, I can't look at it and say they need a wide receiver. They got plenty of those. They need a defensive lineman. They got plenty of those. They get to the quarterback. I, it's a big question, and they're going to have to really think hard about it because this is too that you've been exposed by uh, Kansas City. Yeah, I think um, Kyle Shanahan has to really dig deep. He has to like turn into the Dark Knight. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Like he has bunker. to kind of get in the bunker. Yeah, yeah he just kind of has to like like. All that nice guy, all these nice guys, like, look, the NFL, you get your shot, you take it, and you take your shot the way that you feel you want to. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I understand you come from a lineage, your dad is is future Hall of Famer, if he ain't there yet. Um, Something's got to change, though. I'm with you, Patton, because it's showing. You got one of the best teams in the league. Um, Let's go, Kyle. Rooting for you. (laughs) How about the footage of uh, of Mahomes' brother not being able to get in that Super Bowl party? Did you see that? Yeah, I mean, look, he tried. He didn't have a wristband. <laughs> wifey tried to get him in. I saw, and then and wifey he, was like, "Sorry, you can't." Yeah, get in. <laughs> yo, she's hanging with Post Malone, right? Rules but, are rules. Yeah, and go you, do some TikTok dances, and you can read his lips. He's like, "I'm Patrick Mahomes' brother." Buddy, boom down the um, push ice. He said, "Sorry, can't he, help he you." He saw the security guy. He was like, "Sorry, can't help you, bro." Hey, <laughs> great job, guys. Keith, welcome back, and uh, thank you all for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.